gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome back to My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. Today's episode is 116, which is entitled Energy. But before I get into today's topics, I want to read you guys off the National Food Days of the Week. Today being March 5th, it is Cheese Doodles Day and Aspenth Day. Aspenth is some type of beverage. I don't know what else, but that's all I got for you. March 6th, it is Oreo Day. March 7th, it is Crown Roast of Pork Day, as well as Cereal Day. March 8th, Peanut Cluster Day, March 9th, Crab Meat Day and Meatball Day, March 10th, Blueberry Pop Over Day and Ranch Dressing Day, March 11th, to round it off, it is Johnny Appleseed Day as well as Oatmeal Nut Waffles Day. What does that mean? I just think that you put oatmeal inside your waffles when you make them and then ta-da, you got oatmeal nut waffles. Now, before I get started with today's show, I do want to say if you enjoy today's episode and you enjoy previous episodes, if you could subscribe to the podcast right where you go to every other your podcast uh, host sites, wherever you listen this to, you can just hit the subscribe and just there you go. That's all you got to do. And if you like what I'm doing, give me some reviews, star it up. Uh, write down some feedback that would be greatly appreciated because when you guys do this I know what I'm doing and also that helps me improve on what I'm doing and lets me change up and tweak things out in the process of this podcast so again I thank every single one of you when you do subscribe and you do leave feedback I thank you um now with that out of the way how has you guys week been um down here it's been very pollinated you can tell that uh spring is coming because pollen is everywhere over everybody's cars over everybody's homes i mean pollen is running amok down here bees are just carrying pollen everywhere um i'm not certain how it is everywhere else around the country i know in the west you guys had a whole lot of uh snowfall happening over there i'm not certain how normal that is i don't think it's normal for you guys over there and uh they were covering that much on david muir to a point that somebody was like riding in the snow and big letters help us. So anybody that's in desperate need, I hope you guys are getting that uh, situated. My prayers are out to you guys over there in the West with that. For the people that are in the Midwest from the storms that happen, I again have my prayers to you guys because you guys constantly get storms. You guys get tornadoes and all that type of stuff with house wreckage. I hope you guys are able to uh, get that handled and situated, but I'm hoping everybody is fine. That's what I'm really hoping for. Yes, snow happens, and yes, houses get destroyed and everything, but I'm hoping that there was no casualties to have uh, people losing their lives in these situations. I hope it was just property that they're able to uh, get money back from their insurance, and they're able to do whatever they want with their said money from the insurance that comes from it. So I hope everybody was well i hope everybody was um doing well for the college kids i know you guys are right now on spring break i hope you guys are enjoying yourselves i hope there's no trouble and disaster out here for spring break for college kids please be on your best behavior do not be stupid i don't want to read or hear about nothing in the news cycle this week with you uh college kids so please be careful out there now to start to show off with the news i want to talk about news that happened earlier this week the first thing i want to start off with 
was the train uh, collision that happened in Greece, where a passenger train which carried 350 people had a head-on collision with a freight train Tuesday evening in Greece. As this comes from CNN, anger in Greece over poor railroad safety grew on Thursday as authorities released audio in which a train driver involved in one of the country's worst train crashes in recent years was told to ignore a red light. Demonstrators poured onto the street after the head-on collision between the passenger train carrying more than 350 people and a freight train crash happened on Tuesday evening near the city of Larissa. The death toll from the crash rose to 57 late on Thursday. Protesters clashed with police in the capital, Athens. The country's transport minister resigned in the wake of the tragedy, and a rail workers union is going on strike, accusing the government of disrespect in the sector. Another 48 people remain in the hospital as a result of the crash, which left toppled cartridges and scorched debris in its wake. Six of the injured being treated are in critical condition due to head wounds and serious burns, public broadcast ERT reported Thursday. After a train station manager in Larisa was arrested in connection to the collision, Greek authorities on Thursday made public striking dispatch recordings that show one of the train drivers receiving instructions to ignore a red light. Proceed through red traffic light, exit through traffic light entry of Neon Peron, the station master is heard saying. Felice, am I good to go? The train driver responds to which the train master says, go, go. In a second conversation, the station master can be heard ordering an employee to keep one of the trains on the same track. Shall I turn it now? The employee asks, no, no, because 1564 is on the route, the station master says. The station master has been charged with mass deaths through negligence and causing grievous bodily harm through negligence. Upon arrest, he claimed the collision on a technical fault, though he later admitted to making a mistake. So, from reading all of this, this assures me that this train head-on-head collision could have easily been stopped if somebody just would have taken their job seriously. Instead, you got 57 people dead because of somebody's stupid ignorance. You have another 48 people that are in the hospital. You have six that are being treated in critical conditions due to head wounds and serious burns. I mean, this was ridiculous when you heard about it. I didn't know nothing about this until it popped up on my laptop and my like corner notifications, and I just stopped and I'm like, that happened in Greece? That's weird. Again, certain countries you just don't hear a lot of things about. It doesn't make national headline news. I know every country has something going on because it wouldn't be the news. And I know they got to have the news in their country. But for something like this to happen in Greece, it wouldn't like hit my radar. I expect something like this to happen in America because I've stayed in America. I know about American stuff. But you just, again, don't hear about these things in other countries like that. Um, in America, we're still dealing with train derailments now over here because we had another train derailment that happened over in Florida and they were carrying like 30 gallons of liquid propane gas. And from that derailment in the train, no liquid came out, no liquid propane came out as they're saying right now in Florida. But just to hear about that happening in Florida after Ohio's train derailment that just happened in February. And again, we're dealing with a lot of things now in the world with derailments and trains you would think that trains should be a safe uh, commodity for people to go upon their life and go on and just go about but apparently not train accidents are happening more frequently than ever around the country and again it's just so weird it was ohio first and then you get greece and florida what happened in the exact same week 
I expect more train stuff was going to happen. But in the Greece incident, this stuff could have been prevented if somebody would have taken their job serious. But the guy got arrested. We got people that are dead now. We got people that are in hospitals now. And only thing I could constantly do, and the only thing that the world has been able to do is just give their condolences out to people in Greece. And that's everything right now. It's still so weird. It's weird how people take jobs and they've probably been on them for so long that they just become so bored with the job that they just like, you know what? I don't care no more. I'm just here to do the job. Or there's people that get the job. They don't care about doing the job and they just bare minimum to it. Now, with this train station master, I have no idea. They didn't give up the man's name, but they have him under arrest. So that's at least one good thing that we can say that came out of this. Somebody did get arrested. There's no like, oh, we don't know. There's, we don't know who's at the top chamber of it. Nope, we know who's at it. We know somebody that was in connection to it, and the man's got arrested. So I want to give my condolences to the family and friends of loved ones that they lost on this Hennelhead uh, train collision here. And again, just keep your heads up. I know that's a hard thing to say at this time of uh, need right now, but you got to do it. You got to find some type of way to just find a way to keep your head up. You know, there's going to be some crying days, but just work through it. That's all I can say about that. Um, over here on the state side, Alex Murdoch. Alex Murdoch has been a big national uh, headwave news for the past, what I say for three or two weeks now since the Netflix uh, docu-series came out. It really took national headwave in those, what, two to three weeks ago. But for South Carolina, it's been like going on for, what, six weeks? They said that in the deliberation pool. Um, but it was Finally came out this week that Alex Murdoch he has been found guilty of murdering his wife and son, as has come from the Associated Press. One of the last pieces of the legal dynasty that dueled out justice in rural South Carolina for decades crumbled Friday as lawyer Alex Murdoch was sentenced to the rest of his life in prison for the murder of his wife and kid at their sprawling estate. At sentencing, Murdoch maintained his innocence as he told the court, as I told you again, I respect this court, but I am innocent. I would never, under any circumstance, hurt my wife, Maggie, and I would never, under any circumstance, hurt my son, Paul Paul. Murdoch responded. Now, with Alex Murdoch saying this, he gets try to say, if to the cows come home, it's now in the record books that he has been stated, well, they have guilted him as being the guy who murdered his wife and son. It is what it is, so he's being labeled now as a murderer. And the funny thing to me is that whenever the deliberation happened, the deliberation happened Thursday afternoon, and I was with my family whenever the jury came back, and they stated on the news that it took the jury less than three hours to find Alex Murdoch guilty of killing his wife and his son, and I started doing the math in my head, three hours, okay, and I promise you not, I said it only took them an hour to really find that he was guilty. The other two hours, they had to eat dinner, and the judge had to eat dinner, and they just wanted to make sure that everything was good before they actually gave the verdict. And I crap you not, Friday, whenever one juror was talking to ABC, they mentioned how deliberation happened with all the jurors got into one room, and it literally took them one hour just for everyone to get on the exact same page to say that Alex Murdoch killed his wife and his uh, son. And what really drove home was the piece of evidence of where the boy who ended up dying, uh, Paul Murdoch, he was recording his dog. And in the background, you can hear the mother talking. Then you hear Alex Murdoch's voice in there. And that really drove 
home, the fact that Alex Murdoch was there after Murdoch has been saying for the longest periods of time, him not being there at the scene, him, his voice being on that recording, that kind of sealed his fate right there. If that video never came out, all the evidence and all that type of stuff, the jury would not have been able to, with full facts, say that Alex Murdoch was truly there. But with that evidence being there and they heard his voice on that recording, that sealed his fate. And for me, it is what it is. I, I mean, my mother, she is a kind-hearted soul person. She still can't get over the idea of somebody killing their wife and their son. She can't, she can't get over that. And I constantly have to tell her, hey, we've saw things like this before. We've heard about things like this before. We've heard of mothers, uh, mothers and fathers killing their sons. We heard of their children killing parents. This type of stuff happens and is nothing shocking to me personally. The biggest thing that came out of my head wave whenever this whole thing happened was that this thing happened in South Carolina. It's just going to be because I'm so like head in the dirt. And I've said this countless of times I'm head in the dirt. I stay in my business, mind my own lane. And I, that's all I ever do. That's all my family ever truly does. And whenever we heard about this case being out of South Carolina, we try to figure out who is this guy, just like the rest of the freaking country. And then once we found out, we're like, oh, okay, so this is who this guy is. So his family and everything else was a big deal and everything else. Surprising. Okay. But again, it makes sense out of everything that happens down here, this type of stuff. It doesn't really make national headway news. I mean, there's shootings around in certain countries, certain counties. Uh, down here, and it doesn't make national news. This one, it made national news because Netflix decided to pick it up, and they found something juicy about it. I didn't think this was so juicy for Netflix to really pick up, but alright, cool. They found something. They got something out of it. I hope that they uh, were able to do something, and I'm hoping that the victims of Alex Murdoch's uh, debauchery can get their money. I hope that the maid's uh, kids, the maid who died on Alex Murdoch's uh, property, she gets some money. Because they were supposed to get money from Alex Murdoch, but they didn't get it. I hope they are, are able to find some way that they can get the millions of dollars that they were supposed to get from him. Um, I'm hoping that Mallory Beach's uh, family, they find some resolution in this, knowing that Alex Murdoch is going to jail. And I know this isn't the type of justice that they wanted, because Paul Murdoch, that dude, he happened to uh, murder their daughter, Mallory Beach. But he's not here. The mother of Paul Murdoch isn't here, and the father, he's going to jail for murdering the two. I'm hoping that they're able to find some peace after all this type of crap has happened. And again, I do have to apologize to the Mallory Beach family, because when this whole first thing started, and I looked into everything, and I've said this on countless episodes back when I talk about this specific situation, I mentioned how whenever the situation came about with the mother and the son dying, I thought it was somebody that had to do with the Mallory Beach family, because they didn't like the way that uh, the Murdochs have so much power and uh, cachet over the legal system over there. I thought, okay, they didn't like how the court handled that. Okay, we're going to take it into our situation. And it ended up being completely wrong. I, again, want to fully extend my handout and extend my apologies towards the Mallory Beach family. Now, on to another court case. This has come from Variety. As it would read, Alec Baldwin is being sued by three Rust crew members for blast injuries and shooting. 
As the article will read, three Rust crew members sued Alec Baldwin and film producers on Monday, alleging they have suffered anxiety and symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of the shooting death of the film's cinematographer. The three crew members were in the church building at the Bonanza Creek Ranch near Santa Fe, New Mexico, where Baldwin's gun fired, striking cinematographer Helena Hutchins and director Joel Salsa. Baldwin has denied pulling the trigger, though prosecutors have charged him with involuntary manslaughter for allegedly firing the weapon while it was pointed at Hutchins. The plaintiffs in the latest suit are the dolly operator, the set costumer, and the key grip according to the suit. All three were in close proximity to Baldwin when the gun was fired and suffered blast injuries from the deafening sound of the shot. The lawsuit also alleges that producers cut corners and hired people who had been the subject of previous safety complaints, including David Halls, the first assistant director. The suit also faults the producers for hiring armorer Hannah Reed, despite her lack of experience, because they allegedly wanted a quick and cheap production. The lawsuit faults Baldwin for not paying attention during weapons training, for failing to ensure that the gun was not loaded with a live bullet, and for discharging the round. Baldwin's representative declined to comment, as this now falls in the wake as the three plaintiffs join several other crew members who have filed suits in New Mexico and California, including the script, supervisor, set medic, and graffer. In one of those suits, Baldwin's lawyers filed a counterclaim alleging the four other people were at fault in the shooting, but he was not. Okay, cool. So we're still dealing with this. Alec Baldwin still got a lot to handle on this plate, and that man is shoveling out lawyers and money all out the butt. Here's my deal. Why is Rust still being a thing? Why is Rust still being recorded? Why is it still trying to record this thing? A woman died on this thing. This whole production needs to be shut down and just killed off. Just throw it away. There's no more you can do with this thing. There's no more you can do. I understand people might want to continue trying to go on because, well, we want to honor the memory of Helena. No, 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 no. This is done. This is over. Rust movie is a dud. There's no more you could do with that because, ladies and gentlemen, there are lawsuits at play here. There are lawsuits with Alec Baldwin. There's lawsuits with the armorer. There are lawsuits now with uh, backstage people that are working on the set now suing Alec Baldwin. I think the Rust movie should just be put out of its misery, old yeller style. And boy, that is a poor analogy to say, but it's the truth. Just lay it down, lay it to the rest. There's no more you could do with that. Yes, at one point, before all these lawsuits start coming, you had an idea that, okay, after we settled with Helena's husband, maybe we could do something. Fine. But no, there's lawsuits coming at him left and right. There's no more that this Rust movie can be done for. There's nothing they could do. And personally, I don't see Rust as being like a major motion picture type thing. I see that being a low-key, like, underground, straight-to-DVD movie. And for you to want to continue trying to film a straight-to-DVD-style movie for nothing, I don't know what to tell you, bud. This thing needs to be done. I don't need... I, I don't know who needs to hear this more. I don't know if Alec Baldwin needs to hear this. I don't know whoever's fronting them or trying to back the movie needs to hear this. That movie is done. There's no more you can do. There's no more life you can try to save into it. It's over. So hopefully somebody in that camp in Hollywood can hear me and say, yo, we need to call up and say this movie's done. Put it, put a bow on this thing. And just throw it in an incinerator. There's no more you can do for Rust. Uh, Alec Baldwin, go ahead and continue trying to fight this lawsuits that you're constantly facing. Go ahead and do that. And again, I just want to make this perfectly clear. I want to send my condolences again to the Hutchins family because... They lost somebody on this movie set here. 
And for me, I don't think Alec Baldwin was, again, in charge of this because, again, that's not his job. His job is to be uh, the person that's supposed to be just filming and acting in this thing. That's it. Sure, he's a producer, but certain people are only producers in name value. I'm not certain how, how much Alec Baldwin was really in the whole producing set mindset of this thing. They just probably said producer, Alec Baldwin, just trying to get more capital money out of it, but it is what it is. I'll be waiting to see how this whole thing goes down, but that's just what it is right now with the Russ movie set. Now, on to some happier news, at least from my vantage point, as it's come from CNN. Vanessa Bryan reaches nearly $29 million settlement with Los Angeles County in lawsuit over Kobe Bryant crash photos. As we read, Vanessa Bryan has reached a nearly $29 million agreement with Los Angeles County to settle a lawsuit over photos that were taken at the helicopter crash that killed her husband, Los Angeles Lakers star Kobe Bryant, and her daughter, Gia Bryant, and seven others. The settlement caps several years of litigation related to the January 2020 helicopter crash on a Calabasas, California hillside, and photos that circulated in its aftermath. Today marks the successful culmination of Miss Bryant's courageous battle to hold accountable those who engaged in this grotesque conduct, an attorney representing Bryant said in a statement to CNN. She fought for her husband, her daughter, and all those in the community whose deceased family were treated with similar disrespect. We hope her victory at trial in the settlement will put an end to this practice. The settlement comes after a federal jury in August 2022 found the Los Angeles County Sheriff's and Fire Department's liable for infringing on the constitutional rights of Bryant and her co-plaintiff, Christopher Chester, for taking and sharing gruesome photos of the helicopter crash that left nine people dead. The photos included not just wreckage of the helicopter, but close-up images of mangled bodies of those killed. The jury awarded Chester $15 million in damages and Bryant $16 million, which was later reduced to $15 million due to clerical error, according to Bryant's attorneys. The Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors in September 2022 agreed to pay an additional $4.9 million to Chester, who lost his wife, Sarah, and 13-year-old daughter, Peyton, in the helicopter crash. So, okay, cool. They finally have been able to put this thing to bed, put it to rest, and I'm glad they were able to actually hold L.A. Uh, County's uh, police and fire departments responsible for that. There is no way you should be able to take photos of a crime scene and just start showing them off to everyone. I know in a lot of cases that's what happened because we saw that in um, a man's thing, Tyree Nichols. We saw the photo, well, we saw a video of an officer taking a photo of man's and right now they're saying allegedly that he started showing the photo to other people. So this doesn't shock me that police officers does those type of things, but they should know you should not be able to take photos of a crime scene like that. The only people that should be taking a photo of a crime scene are literally people that are going to be like dissecting the devil out of that crime scene, like detectives and people of that nature. And also people that are doing like the mortician stuff. So like take photos of the dead bodies, take photos of the crash uh, situations or a car crash or a plane crash, those type of things. Like a mortician should be going down there, take photos and just to get an evaluation of what they're dealing with. So whenever they see the body in their literal laboratory, they can start, okay, so that's wherever this punctured here or that, like that type of thing. I can understand photos being taken for, but a police officer taking a photo of a gruesome, horrific 
uh, style of crash the way that we saw and we heard about Kobe Bryant's crash in 2020, I still to this day don't understand why police officers are going to want to take photos of that. It might be because Kobe Bryant was a celebrity. It might be because, well, he's big time in Los Angeles and he just got a big time name. It might be that. It might be for other grotesque reasons because, again, you know people's true feelings when people are dead. You get to know how people really felt about him. You got people that might have hated Kobe Bryant and wanted to take photos of him and be like, look at this piece of crap here. I don't know what the reasoning would be for somebody to take a photo and share it and start showing it off to other people like that. But police officers should not be the ones that should be able to do that. They should not be able to do that. They know what their job is. You see a crash, you see a thing, AO hey, call somebody here to take this down, take reports of it, and all that type of stuff. That's what needs to be done. But that didn't happen here in this instance. What happened here was that police officers took photos and they started distributing them. So now Vanessa Bryan and uh, Mr. Chester, they took the LA County to court for that. They got some retribution for it. They got money off of it. And I'm hoping, again, I know the money does not change the fact that they lost loved ones in the plane crash, but to make people be hold accountable for the things and actions that they did do, I'm hoping that that can at least give them some solace to uh, continue on and just try to move on with their new life that they have now because of this unfortunate accident that happened in 2020. So again, congratulations to Vanessa Bryan and Mr. Chester for the money that they did win because of this sickening situation. But I know that the money does not change because I know they will want to have their uh, families back and whole once again before he got ripped away from them. Now, on to more positive news, as this comes from Yahoo News. As it would state, Minnesota bill will create nation's first office investigating missing black women and girls. Minnesota state lawmakers are moving forward with a bill that would establish the nation's first office to investigate cases of missing black women and girls as of tens of thousands of women of color remain missing in the United States. On February the 20th, the Minnesota House voted 110 to 19 in favor of advancing House Bill HF 55, and it's on the fast track this year to be signed into law, Republican Ruth Richardson, the bill's author, told Yahoo News. This is part of the governor's budget, and it's one of his top priorities. So we are excited to be at a point where we can finally get this across the finish line. In previous years, similar bills passed in the Minnesota House but failed in the Senate. If the legislation is signed into law, it will require the Bureau of Criminal Apprenticeship to operate a missing person alert program for black women and girls. The Office of Missing and Murdered Black Women and Girls would review missing persons and cold cases, and the first-of-its-kind project is expected to cost roughly $2.5 million. In the United States, black women only make up 13% of the female population, but studies found that they make up 35% of missing women in the country in 2020 during the pandemic. Nearly 100,000 of the 250,000 women that went missing in the United States were black women. Currently, national statistics tells us that over 60,000 black women are missing and black women are twice as likely than they appear to be victims of homicide, Brittany Lewis, co-founder of Research and Actions, told Yahoo News. In the state of Minnesota, black women are three times more likely to be murdered than white women in Minnesota. According to state report completed by Minnesota's Missing and Murdered Black Women and Girls Task Force created in 2021, black women are less likely to receive media attention when they go missing. 
what we're finding is that people are disappearing for a number of reasons, sex trafficking of our young girls, increasing domestic violence, mental health reasons, and there are a lot of systemic reasons. Natalie Wilson, co-founder of the Black and Missing Foundation, a nonprofit organization that brings awareness to missing people of color, told Yahoo News. So I'm hoping that this bill does get passed because you know what? I don't do the research like this, but you got to be willing to listen to people that actually does the research to actually care about these type of things. And again, I'm a black man. I have a sister here and boy, oh boy, I do not want my sister to be abducted, to be kidnapped or any of these type of situations. And then to find out if she does ever get kidnapped, which I'm never putting that on her. I'm just putting myself in the shoes of people that have family members of sisters or mothers that have got kidnapped and actually got like never been found. I would be hard pressed to really put my foot down the legal throat to figure out a way to how to make them care about my sister, how to make them care about my family member, how to make them care about, Ayo, what if it was your person that got lost or got kidnapped or something like that and they're not found? Well, how would you feel? I would really be hard pressed on them. And I am glad that a bill like this actually is coming around and actually is going to hopefully pass uh, that legislation because just reading those statistics off, don't you think that's kind of a high number of people that have never been found, people that gets taken? I mean, that's nasty all by itself, and it's all black women. And you know how I feel. This country feels way towards blacks and anybody that's not white, the minorities, if you will. But me being a black man, I only can talk about black issues like that. And I've seen them. And I'm not a black woman, so the only thing I can listen to is black women talk about how they feel in this country. And just reading those statistics off, that's nasty. That's nasty behavior. So hopefully they get this bill passed. I'm hoping that it does so more black women and black girls can never ever have to be, like, be forgotten by the law enforcement. Be forgotten by people in government because they're not of a fairer complexion or belonging to a certain race, if you will. So with that all being said, please, if you're in Minnesota's area, please try to get to your law uh, makers, try to get to the people that's above this to get them to actually sign this thing into legislation and get this thing passed so that other states can actually get along and actually see this type of situation. They actually can make that stuff happen for their states as well. Now onto the next news topic as this comes from Daily Mail as it reads Oscar Pistorius could be released from jail within weeks after murdering girlfriend. Disgraced Paralympian Oscar Pistorius could be released from prison in South Africa within weeks after serving half of his sentence for the murder of his girlfriend at his home in 2013. A parole board will consider Oscar's case on March 31st just over a decade after he fatally shot his girlfriend four times through his bathroom door in the early hours of Valentine's Day. The girlfriend's parents, who oppose the idea of their daughter's killer's release, have no power to block it as criminals are automatically eligible for parole after serving half of their sentence. Oscar Pistorius, who's 36, claimed during trial that he believed his girlfriend was an intruder but was eventually found guilty of murder and sentenced to 13 years and five months. The announcement of the parole hearing comes after it was revealed the ex-Olympian was given 24-hour police protection upon his release due to fears of retaliation attacks. So Oscar Pistorius could come out of prison thanks to being on the parole uh, board. Well, the parole board saying that he could be out. Um, I don't know how to feel about this. If I was the parents of the girlfriend, I I don't know. 
you have someone who killed your daughter and they're going to be out of prison after they only serve half of their sentence. Well, the possibility of them to be coming getting out. I don't know how I would feel. I know I'll be pissed off and angry and upset, but it's all about what the parole board does. And I don't know. It's just so weird to me how in that country they only got to serve half of their sentence before they can actually go to the parole board. Uh, the father of Oscar has said that his son has changed. Um, he talked about him becoming a spiritual leader behind bars in an interview with the Times, and he claimed that his son even recruited a violent gang leader into his Bible study and prayer group. So I could see them trying to really like add some dip onto that chip so they could feed the parole board with that type of story. But you got to look at everything in totality. I mean, if the man comes in there all kumbaya, my lord, to the parole board and they see that he's been a model citizen inside the prison system, I could see them literally letting him out of there. I could, because that's always people who like to lead with uh, good faith, but I don't know if I, how I would feel. I just don't know. I think if someone murdered my family member and they were to only spend half of their jail time that they were given, I would be pretty pissed off at the whole system. So only time's going to tell. We'll have to wait and see. I'm pretty sure GMA or somebody should be covering this uh, within this week because this was a big thing. This was literally a big news topic back in that times whenever this trial was going on with him. And I remember this faintly, but as soon as I saw this uh, situation pop onto my uh, Yahoo front page, I immediately thought, okay, I remember this situation. And just to read about him getting out or possibility of him getting out for after only spending half of his sentence of jail time, that's wild. So if anybody wants to commit crime, I'm not saying that you should just go to South Africa, buddy, because apparently the only thing you got to do is serve half of your time and you can easily get sentenced for parole. But we'll have to wait and see if Oscar's going to be able to uh, get out of here. Now on to the next topic, as this comes from the Daily Caller, as the title would read, Not a Free Country, Woody Harrelson blasts Hollywood for pushing forced vaccination. Actor Woody Harrelson has held nothing back during a February interview with the New York Times where he blasted mandates and COVID-19 protocols. Harrelson conducted the interview to promote his new film, Champions, but things took a turn when he was asked about his perspective on the movie business evolution since the 1990s. Now to get an indie done, especially with all the COVID protocols, which to me are rather absurd, I don't know what's going to happen. Harrison said at the end of his response, the reporter immediately pushed Harrelson on what he felt was absurd about the COVID-19 protocols. I don't think that anybody should have the right to demand that you're forced to do the testing, forced to wear the mask and forced to get vaccinated three years on. I'm just let's be done with this nonsense. Harrelson shot back, stating that all of the above was not fair on the crews who put movies together. I don't have to wear the mask. Why should they? Why should they have to be vaccinated? How's that not up to the individual? I shouldn't be talking about this. It makes me angry for the crew, the anarchist part of me. I don't feel that we should have forced testing, forced masking, and forced vaccination. That's not a free country. You know what? I'm kind of siding with Woody on this one, to be honest with you. Because you know what? It's been, what, three years since COVID happened. 2020 was the height of COVID. I mean, it completely dominated and decimated everything in its wake. 2021, people started easily getting themselves back in outside. Yes, you still had to wear your mask in certain select areas, but you were still able to start 
slowly getting outside. 2022, people were back outside. You saw certain people with masks. You saw people without masks. And you knew how to move around. And now, in 2023, there's a lot of people without masks on. There's a lot of people like COVID never happened. Looks like we're going literally 2019 and far back before COVID even existed. And now there's certain people that will have masks on walking around because, again, they still want to keep for their sanity and safety and all that good stuff in which I'm not knocking. So I understand what Woody is talking about here. I didn't know they still made you do like COVID testing and uh, make you take the vaccination shot and all that type of stuff. I didn't know they were still doing that. Well, making people do it. I know in certain places like the service vets, they have to go and like go in when they go to the VA and they, um, they still have to make sure did they have COVID or something. I know like for that situation, yes. But for like jobs, I didn't know you still had to like take the vaccination. I didn't know that was a thing. I thought they'd done away with that because again, if you look outside, everybody's back to being 2019 and beforehand. There's not a lot of people with masks on their face. So in Hollywood, I would think that should be the protocol. Yes, the people that did get shunned and did get ridiculed for not wanting to take uh, the COVID shot in 2020, 2021. I understand back in that time, yes, you ridiculed them, whatever. But now that everybody's back outside, everybody's doing their job, and it just seems that not a lot of cases of COVID is being like reported like that, why... Why are you still making people get the vaccine? Why are you still making people do a shot? I don't understand it. So I ride with him on this one. He doesn't want that type of stuff to happen. He feels that this is a big pharma, big government type situation here. Again, I'm not ever going to go into that type of business because that's above my pay grade. And I believe that's above a lot of people's pay grade. The only thing that I think everybody can understand is, is that big business wants your money. Big business has this product here that they have abundance of, and they just try to get a way to uh, get rid of it. So they're going to try to make and force people to get some type of shots on them. I'm not saying this. this is nothing but a theory. But, hey, I feel that this whole situation now should be done with. I think people should be able to go and to get a job without having to fill out a vaccination uh, testing and all that type of stuff. Yes, I think if you want to have a job, get a vaccine. You do that if you want to of your own free volition. I don't think a job should make you have to get one. Now, they want to do COVID testing on the first day that you get there. Fine. But let that be the only COVID testing that you get because people will ask you, have you been out of the country within some amount of days? They do that on hospital visits. I'm not sure if they do that with jobs or not. But if they want to do that with you when you first start a job, yes, yeah, sure. Fine. Do my COVID testing. That's what you want. Do that. Cool. But after that, that's the only time you should be allowed to do it as soon as you start a job, not when you're constantly working on that job. Now, in Hollywood, they go from places to places. They go from one country to another country. So I can understand them for whenever they go and get work from another movie set to another movie. You might have to do a COVID testing. I understand that. I think that's perfectly fine. I think, again, nobody should be have to force to wear a mask or get a shot. If you want to do a COVID test, fine. Because I think they'll be willing to because as soon as you break it down to people, they'll understand. But nobody should be forced to take a shot or wear a mask if they don't feel like it, especially at jobs. The only time, again, if you're in Hollywood, if you get traveling from place to place, country to country, then 
get a COVID test? Yes, yeah, sure. But getting the vaccine and all that type of stuff, nah, that shouldn't be uh, forced upon you. So, hey, man, Woody, keep on talking your talk about this stuff. And I hope uh, people in Hollywood actually pay attention to it and they actually start fixing those type of rules and regulations here. Now, staying on to Hollywood, I want to give congrats to Kiki Palmer. She became a mother this week. She gave birth to a boy. Congratulations to her and her dude. They became parents. She's a first-time parent, so congrats to her. Um, I did not know she was pregnant until she popped on SNL. And then my mother told me, hey, you know, Kiki gave birth. I was like, oh, okay, congrats, mazel. So congrats to Kiki Palmer here. She has went on uh, Instagram this week and said that uh, parenthood is kicking her butt right now. And when I read that, I found that completely hilarious, personally. When I read that parenthood is kicking someone's butt, I always got to find it hilarious because I always think that don't you talk to people whenever you're pregnant and don't they tell you how parenthood's going to be? You're going to have sleepless nights and all the normal stuff that usually happens to people that have children. You're going to be sleepless. It's going to be the exploding diapers, the clothes getting messed up and all that type of stuff. I hope Kiki's ready for it. Kiki seems like the type of person that's going to be ready for the challenge and the task of raising up a child. So again, congratulations to Kiki Palmer and her dude on their child. Now, continuing on with more congratulations. Congratulations to Michael B. Jordan. Cree 3 just came out this past, what, Friday and Michael B. Jordan, he got his star on the Walk of Fame, which was weird to me. Michael B. Jordan, has, in my eyes, he just became like a top leading guy in Hollywood. I mean, people start paying real hyper attention on Michael B. Jordan when he did the Black Panther uh, situation with as a guy Killmonger. I believe everybody started really paying attention to him. I understand he did. Uh, Fruitvale Station, I know he did Creed and all that type of stuff, but I feel that a lot of eyes really came onto him when he did uh, Killmonger, and then they started focusing on the Creed 1 or Creed 2, I don't know which one came like after Black Panther situation, but um, Michael B. Jordan, he's got his star on the Walk of Fame, I'm congratulations for him, and right at that uh, ceremony situation, he had his co-star in the Creed 3 movie, Jonathan Majors, and you had uh, a friend of his, Ryan Coogler, who is a director. All three of these guys, all three of these black men were at this uh, big ceremonious moment for Michael B. Jordan. And it was such a great looking feel when you saw the situation. I heard Jonathan Majors' speech to Michael B. Jordan, and that was such a nice friend-to-friend introduction that he gave for Michael B. Jordan. And let me just state this right now. Michael B. Jordan, he had one week because Michael B. Jordan's name was in the media off of of a press, I'm not going to say press press, but red carpet event situation. He was being interviewed and apparently one of the interviewers at the red carpet was someone that he went to school with and he mentioned that she used to call him corny after she introduced saying that me and him used to go to school together. So when she said that, he said, oh yeah, weren't you one that used to call me corny? And people have went back and went and saw her on a podcast and she talked about how she knew of Michael B. Jordan, how they went to school together, how he walked around with headshots and they used to call him corny and they used to mock him because his name is Michael Jordan and at that time Michael Jordan was being Michael Jordan in the NBA yada 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 so a lot of kickback came around the whole situation people were saying that Michael B. Jordan shouldn't have addressed 
uh, her like that or anything. Let me say this right now. Michael B. Jordan was respectful towards the lady doing the interview. He didn't say nothing wrong to her. He just basically had to stop her say, yo, you used to call me corny back then. But he still proceeded on with the interview, smiling face and all that type of stuff. But that just went to show that he did not forget any of that. I just want people to know, whenever you insult someone, they do not forget that. People keep things tucked away for whenever they have to see you again. Don't you ever talk bad about someone and they hear that. Because guess what? They will remember it. And whenever you're down and out and you have to either A, go to that somebody for money or B, see them and they're in a better position than you are. And you might just want to say, oh, hey, what's up? Because you might just be feeling happy in the moment to see that they're up. That person's going to remember what you said to them. And they might even say, oh, yeah, weren't you? Da, 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 da. Or didn't you do this to me? The people are people. People remember these things. I'm one that holds a grudge. I am a salty clam. I am a salty SOB when it comes down to people that have done me wrong. I keep that stack and stash in my head. People might think that they can just get by with these little digs at me. Oh, no, I keep that in the files in my skull because whenever it's time, and boy, oh, boy, it always comes back around because people have done wrong things to me. And guess what? It might not be that moment. It might not be that week. It might not be that month. But years go by, and then once something happens to them, I'm instantly able to remember they did something wrong with me, and I'm able to say, yes, you finally got your just due for that. And I'm not saying the lady did something wrong to Michael B. Jordan, but just in this instance, this was his, see, this is what happens whenever you clowned me back then. I remember that, and I want to bring that up to you right now. But he said that in the most nice, kind, and smiling way. He didn't get upset. He didn't bring no type of manly man crap towards the young lady in the interview. So for the people that called Michael B. Jordan corny for that situation, I don't know who you were in your school. I know for me and people like me, whenever people clowned us, that stayed with us. And that resonated in our spirit whenever I saw that moment that Michael B. Jordan had on that red carpet interview. That moment resonated so much with me because a lot of people that are the shy people that probably are just trying to make their dreams come true and they get uh, maligned with people just pestering them and saying you're not going to be able to make it or do this or do that. And then when you finally do something that they said you couldn't do, and now they all want to give you high fives and everything, you keep that in your head and say, you, you didn't believe in me. And in that moment, you want to just be able to shout in their face, I told you so. But sometimes you got to play nice and do the nice polite thing and just go along with it. But it never ever leaves your head and you're always able to stand on that moral high ground and be like, now they're kissing my butt because now I did what was supposed to be done and I was actually able to accomplish something that you guys thought that was corny or I, you guys thought I couldn't do. So again, I was happy to see that moment with Michael B. Jordan here and uh, the interviewer. I was completely satisfied when I saw that personally. So again, congratulations to Michael B. Jordan on one, the star on the Walk of Fame and two, for your success on uh, Creed 3. Apparently people are enjoying the movie. So Congratulations on the success of Creed 3. Now, on to John Morant. As this comes from Sports Illustrated, John Morant breaks silence on suspension after posting gun video. John Morant has released an official statement 
after getting suspended for a minimum of two games for posting a video of himself holding a gun on Instagram Live. The statement was released via ESPN. As the statement would read, I take full responsibility for my actions last night. I'm sorry to my family, teammates, coaches, fans, partners, the city of Memphis, and the entire Grizzlies organizations for letting you down. I'm going to take some time away to get help and work on learning better methods of dealing with stress and my overall well-being. As it stands, John Morant has also deactivated all of his social media as well. The statement will likely be the only thing fans hear from him over the course of the next two games. It's unknown if the suspension will last longer than two games, but Grizzlies also know they'll drop to the third seed if Morant is out any longer. Now, John Morant is an NBA player. He has a history. I'm not going to say a history, but he has some allegations uh being levied at him because this week there were details about him with a gun. Uh, he was accused of punching a 17-year-old and threatening him with a gun last summer. Those reports uh, came out via the Washington Post. Uh, the teenager reportedly told the police that Morant punched him in the head around a dozen times, leaving a visible knot that the police observed. Following this alleged physical violence from Morant, the teenager also reported that the Grizzly star returned with a visible gun in the waistband of his pants. Morant also reportedly filed a police report from the same incident, claiming he was acting in self-defense because the teenager had not only thrown a basketball at him, but also reportedly said, I'm going to come back and light this place up like fireworks. According to the initial report, local prosecutors declined to file charges after reviewing the case in its entirety. A statement from a Shelby County District Attorney spokesperson said there was not enough evidence to proceed with the case. So with that uh, situation being brought up this past week, and now with John Morant flashing a gun on Instagram Live, uh, dude, I don't know what to tell you. I hope John Morant uh, doesn't do anything stupid. They said this man has a lot of potential to be one of the top stars in the NBA. Again, I don't watch the NBA a lot, but I know whenever people talk about the ones that are up next, his name always gets brought up. And I don't want a black man to be demonized. He has a lot of uh, favor behind him. I hear from people again, talk about John Moran, how good he is, how much of a star he is and all this and that. It's going to be bad if his star power and everything gets killed before he actually reached those highs. Because I don't know how long LeBron James has long in the NBA. That's the only thing I do know about the NBA. I know NBA has LeBron. He's been like the face of NBA for what, the past 20 years? I think he's been doing NBA literally for 20 years. So for LeBron, I think he should be almost time for him to be leaving out. I know he said he wanted to play with his uh, son whenever he got into the NBA. Like, I don't know if his son's going to be drafted, what, next year or the year after that? I don't know, but NBA only has, like, literally a couple more years with LeBron before LeBron has to dip out. And it, from what I'm hearing, John Morant is that guy. John Morant is the guy that could lead the NBA into being one of the star players of the NBA that people actually do care about. And for this guy's career to possibly be ruined, I just don't like seeing that. Because the guy is young. John Morant is what? I believe, like, in his 20s. Hold on, let me do some research for you. I just looked it up. He is 23. John Morant is 23, about to be 24. So, again, for his, for him, he is just starting in the NBA. I mean, what, he was in the NBA, what, he got drafted in 2019? So this is, what, his fourth year now? This is still technically, like, he's not really a seasoned vet for that. 
And again, for the people that talk about John Morant and the way that I hear John Morant's uh, name being brought about, he's one of the people that people actually care about in the NBA. He's one of the young talent that people actually do care about and they actually do see a feature for him in the NBA. So I hope that his career doesn't like get trampled because of this situation. But I want all the young athletes that are going into the NBA, that are going into the NFL, that are going into any type of sporting arena, please take note. Please don't do anything stupid. You guys have been raised up in the internet age. There's no more excuses for you guys. The old heads, they got excuses because they weren't born around the internet. And yes, they know of the internet. They know what the consequences are, but they are dumb. Okay. A lot of older individuals, they don't know really how to work the internet like that. They got to call upon younger uh, people for that. For you, the young talent, the young uh, sports athletic individuals that have been raised by the internet. And secondly, some of your stats and highlights are on the internet that you guys have helped personally make videos to post on the internet. You guys know how the internet works. You guys have been on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Snapchat. You guys know how all these things work. And for John Moran to place this out here, that was a dumb thing for him to do. So I don't want any young athlete to think that they can't do that and they can get away with it. No, just because you are young and you are talented, that doesn't mean you're able to act like a complete buffoon. So, ladies and gentlemen, please take John Morant's situation as a learning experience for you. Just because you didn't experience this, that doesn't mean that you can't learn from somebody else's experience. So, don't do anything stupid. Don't flash any type of object that you know you're not supposed to flash on the internet because, again, you know that's going to be... uh. Thrown around everywhere. The light's always on you, not just because you're on the court, but when you get off the court, you're in the club or you're at a dinner somewhere. People are always going to have the flashlights and the cameras all on you. So please know what you're doing out there. Now, with that all being said, I want to thank Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Poppy, Audible, uh, all the other podcast sites that have me on there because without them, I wouldn't be able to get this episode out to you guys the downloaders and i want to thank you guys the downloaders i want to thank you guys for downloading episodes and listening every single saturday and sunday and now even on wednesdays because i drop episodes on wednesdays now the midweek breakdown and this upcoming wednesday i'm going to be talking about the chris rock special that happened just last night netflix first ever uh, comedy special so uh tune in next wednesday uh, but this past wednesday i talked about uh ai and what i fear is going to happen to ai and i added uh megan into it if you haven't seen megan again this is not a plug from peacock peacock is not paying me this is just me just telling you go watch megan megan is a good movie and it gives you a glimpse into the future which is going to happen i predicting within the next 20 years um but again i put out episodes every single saturday sunday and now even wednesday so you can go and check those out there and i want to still thank you guys the downloaders for uh downloading episodes so again without you guys i wouldn't be in this position that i am in now and i wouldn't be seeing my numbers constantly go up so i appreciate every single one of you from the bottom of my heart so always remember i love you I love you guys. I thank you. Um, I want you guys to say a prayer for everybody that 
you have come in contact with. Say a prayer for people that are not in the most uh, greatest well-beings. There's people around this country right now that are not in uh, great situations right now. They're not in the greatest of health. They're not in uh, situations that they can help themselves. Uh, just pray for them if you can. And just go out into the world with your best foot forward. Because guess what? People are going to be dickheads. People are going to be pricks. But if you step out into the world with your best foot forward, I guarantee you the world's going to at least turn and look towards your way and actually lend you a helping hand. It might not be today, but trust me, down the line, a door will open and it's all because of you laying down the foundations for the good works that you've been doing whenever you put your best foot forward. So if you guys could do that, that'd be great. Also, for my wrestling heads, AEW Revolution tonight. On Monday, I will be giving you guys a review of the pay-per-view, so be on the lookout for that. And for everyone else, I hope you guys tune into the Wednesday episode where I talk about the Chris Rock special. And also, if you want to give me a song that for me to play at the end of the episode to send in your suggestions, I have my email there in the episode description. You can send it there. And also, if you have any feelings of suicide, please call the Suicide Hotline. I have that number in my episode description because again i care for you guys i want you guys to see another day so please call that number now with all this completely being said i love you guys i thank you this has been my two cents podcast hosted by g2 he is i and i am him this isn't goodbye this is until you hear from the sweet sounding voice again i love you guys i love you all please have a good sunday be blessed and kanye could you please take these people home i'm tired you tired Uh jesus wept